This Warriors Live podcast 2022, episode six. I'm Will Evans. Uh, Brad's still catatonic from Friday night's game. So Fonzie joins me second week in a row. Uh, I don't think anyone else could lure me into a chat about uh, Friday's game. Except the Fonz. Um, mate, beggars can't be choosers. I'm a firm believer in that and sat through some pretty ordinary Warriors wins with some satisfaction just because we got the two points. But I can't remember a reaction across the board from the entire fan base so negative to a victory. And I'm very much on that bandwagon. How are you feeling, mate? Yeah, g'day, Will. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think Brad's proven he's the only one of us with standards, refusing to come on and talk about that performance. Uh, he's a highbrow type of bloke, the old Brad. <laughs> now, um, yeah, look, I'm the same. I was thinking about... Um, what I thought our worst performance last year was, and there were two that jumped out. There was the 13-12 loss to Manly in about round five, I think it was, um, where we were shocking and um, clueless and lost a tight one that was there to be won against a team that was playing very ordinary footy. And then there was that Dragons game where it was just a complete diabolical ending to the game where we sort of should have won it and then just a series. We're ahead in a series of... Things went wrong and we lost. To me, this was those two games wrapped up together. Right? The same kind of inept, incompetent, lack of um, leadership and you know cohesion and thought and whatever else you want to throw in there, plus the kind of diabolical dumb stuff um, of that Dragons game, all in one game, except somehow we won, which is the... You know the um, the silver lining and and sort of the the weirdest thing of all, but the performance was just that bad. I can't take any solace from the win. Um, and my my sort of inclination was to flush it and move on. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's probably going to be therapeutic that we have a bit of a chat about the game and um, and and not have it not have a rant. But I'm also going to call out too. I just did not analyze the nitty-gritty of that game because I just could not force myself to. So it's probably going to be a bit of a more sort of general chat around what we saw, what we think, and uh, how we get our heads up looking forward. Yeah, so you, you talk about flushing it, and we've certainly done that in the past, been willing to just bin a game um, and look ahead to next week because it is the Warriors. But do you think that was a bit more sort of indicative of some underlying issues with this team? Look, I mean, I don't want to say it at round three, but but yes, I do. Um, I think the, the the issue I had with that was that I thought we'd lost in every area of the park. I know we won the game, but I thought we we lost the middle game. Like, I thought our pack would get over the top of theirs, but I don't think it did. I don't think there was any period where our pack was dominant. In fact, I think there were periods where their pack was dominant. I thought their edge-back rowers looked dangerous. Um, and their middles were winning the advantage line on both sides of the ball. So that really surprised me because I've always said we've got a top eight pack. And so I was you know, quite shocked, actually, that the team is probably going to run 16th had us through the middle. Then when we did go to the edges, there was no fluidity there. There was a lot of drop ball from you know some of the young guys and all of the issues we talked about on our last pod, you know, coming out of the Titans game. But it's it's more that... I didn't see any areas of excellence from our team at all this week. And yeah, things will get better, but I just don't know what you build from with that. 
Like, where do you start? If you're Brownie, where do you start building from with that? I just don't know. Yeah, it was disappointing to see, you know, was the uh, the medals have been pretty good through the first uh, couple of rounds. Um, yeah. Kind of starting to think we can bank on that week to week, especially against the pretty weak-looking Tigers pack. And, um, yeah, I thought it was a massive step backwards. Um, Lodge and Fanua Blake still had good minutes and everything, but plenty of mistakes from both of them and just didn't seem to have any sort of authority and... Yeah, I don't know. Just the 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 main the main positive from the opening two rounds for it to be you know one of the real standout negative points was pretty disappointing and um, just flowed throughout the team. Like it's pretty clear that any success we're going to have is, has to be built off their platform. Yeah, and it was. I mean, if you look at the stats for Lodge and uh, for Noah Blake and Curran, then they're actually okay stats in terms of run meters and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not saying they were shirking the work or anything like that at all. Quite the opposite, actually. Like, I think Fanua Blake in particular was trying too hard to do something um, a lot of the time. But it was more um, in defence. Our line looked ragged and slow coming up compared to the Tigers' line, which is not renowned as the best D line in the comp, you know, um, in that middle area, which just had me confused. Like, whether... Uh, that was, you know, we, we weren't up for it or whether we're being coached to be a bit passive through the middle in D or what's going on there. I just don't know. Um, and then, you know, Fanua Blake and Lodge playing, you know, overplaying their hand on the ball playing, that felt like a bit of frustration because they knew things weren't going too well outside of them. So you get one of these things where um, when one part of the team's not doing its job, then other parts try to overcompensate, go outside where they should be and you get errors. Um, and the other one was um, just Lodgy. Uh, he was, I reckon you're still a bit out of sorts. Like in defence, he was lying, left lying on the ground a lot, slow getting back. Um, Teets NRL, who's a, a friend of ours on Twitter, did some great screenshot analysis of this, like plenty of rucks where Lodgy's left lying there and he's spot on. And um, so I'm wondering if he's still a bit short of a gallop, like he's sort of hanging in there in effort and stuff, but he's he's not quite conditioned um, yet because he uh, missed that first game and was sick in the second and maybe still a bit crook in this one. So, yeah, it was it was, um, it was was pretty disappointing, pretty concerning. Uh, and, you know, Brownie in his after-game press conference and I think I, I listened to an interview he did on News Talk ZB, I think it's called over in NZ, he was talking about how there was a lot of good effort from players and I, I think that's probably right, but it was just so misdirected and not joined up to anything else that, like, when a coach says that the players put in effort but they played that bad, I'm sort of like, coach, you're writing your own requiem there, mate. Like, really? Yeah, yeah I mean, if it's if it's not the the players' um, players' effort that's a problem, then then what is? I mean, they're not yeah. an unskillful bunch or anything like that. It's uh, got to come down to a bit of game plan, but certainly, yeah, just how they're playing, particularly with the ball and, you know, the defensive stuff they can hopefully iron out. I mean, is, is a little bit uncharacteristic. I thought the a bad miss from Lodge or a bad misread from Lodge in that first try. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's, it still comes down to the attack. Um, we just don't seem to have anything with the ball with this current lineup. I know we've got Sean Johnson out still, but... Um, I just had no confidence that we were going to come up with anything. You know, a couple of um, 
couple of bombs for the, for our two tries, and uh, and that was it. And really, we didn't even look like scoring. Yeah, we had plenty of ball inside the twenty, I thought, but um, well, there was a good example of that. So in the second half, we had it th- three sets in a row on their line. At this is about the. 20 with about 27 minutes to go or 28 minutes to go if you go and watch this anyone listening wants to watch that passage of play so we have like three good ball sets we get a penalty 20 meters out decide not to take a kick for goal to to go for the six which was the right call um we sort of stretch them a few times but don't manage to get over the line on the last tackle egan season markers are offside runs gets tackled, loses the ball, but draws a penalty, because which is why he went. He knew he was going to get one. And then there's this disagreement between Wad, um, Walsh and Egan, where Egan wants to go again, go for another uh, six again and go for the try. Walsh clearly wants to kick. The rest of the players are standing there with their arms out looking confused and, you know, 30 seconds goes past and we take the kick for goal. And to me, that was just summing up where we were, right? So... Um, firstly, it wasn't clear who was in charge on the field. It wasn't clear what we thought was the the right play. And well, we ultimately decided that we were going to take the two, even though we had them on the ropes. They just made thirteen tackles in a row on their line um, in the set. You know, back getting towards the back end of the game, and we just went. Just, we're not going to score here. We'll take two. I mean, to me, that just is a team that isn't confident. It's a team that is confused and. Yeah, um, it's it's not a team who's who's playing the kind of footy that Brownie keeps wanting to tell us that we're going to play and do well out of, right? Which is that expansive attacking game with fast edges. Yeah, that's all very shambolic. That um, that incident, and, and also weird that you know it's Walsh calling the shots, the nineteen-year-old. Um, but you know, but do you think it was that that they? They yes, just they fired their shots and, and didn't think they were going to come away with any anything. So kicked for a four-point lead. I mean, it seemed crazy. It ended up being fairly crucial in the end when we were down a man and just trying to grind it out, um, that took that four-point lead. But still, it was it was the wrong option at the time. Well, I was, I was sitting there going, and I think I was um, texting you and Brad at the time, going, awesome, we're going to ice it here. Because I was looking at it going, yeah, we'll go another six here. We'll get over. Like, it felt like you could just run any forward at any channel yeah. and it was just going to collapse over the Tigers with that shot. And I was looking at it going, we'll score here. We'll get that converted try ahead, um, more than a converted try ahead. We'll calm down and then we'll go on with it. And the game that's been a bit rusty to this point now is when we're going to, um, you know, get that buffer that gets us comfortable and then we'll play ourselves into form. That's genuinely where my head was at, at the point where we got that penalty. And then next minute, and Egan's like rolling his hands going 666. Next minute, Walsh has kicked it. And I'm sort of like, okay, right. And then it all degenerates into a even more shambolic situation. So, yeah, I mean, I thought Walsh was the best player on the field pretty much um, yeah. in that game. It was a good game from Walshy, But, I mean, he, he just does not have the best game management judgment in the team. I have no idea why he'd be making that call. Yeah, um, and... I guess a lot of his, the reason he got three Daly in points, a big uh, game in defence, deserved the praise he got for that. Yeah. Certainly um, worried the lack of impact he's having near the, the try line. Like, I mean, last year he's, you know, developed into just about the best cutout pass thrower in the NRL. 
Yeah. Um, you know, stack a try assist. He was really dangerous close to the line. He's been kind of a, a non-entity in the inside the 20, and it's been a problem. We've only played three games, but, it, you know, the only sort of meaningful players we've come up with is Johnson for Katoa for the try against yep. the Dragons, and then that uh, nice sweep that got Montoya a try against the Titans. But other than that, we've been appalling inside the 20. Um, it, you know, just no execution, run out of ideas really quickly, can very rarely get it out to the winger or centre with any sort of space. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, possession or territory has been an issue. It's, I don't know. Like, where do they go from here? And you think that they're just... That you know the natural talent of Walsh, whereas he came in and just did what he wanted last year. Uh, it was such a you know such a big um, big selling point for him in, in the attack. Um, I don't know where's all where's that all gone? Yeah, so I think part of it is is the classic second year where coaches have had a look at him and are shaping to him. So um, I, my feel is that um, last year teams were jamming in more um, on our shape and this year they're staying out more. So I feel like edges, like when Walsh is chiming in, he's running, you know, he's running at the corner post um, and, and so is that whole edge is sort of running out because the teams are showing them the outside instead of jamming in. And so that cutout that he was throwing last year was because teams were jamming in, trying to put pressure on the young fella and um, yeah. cut down his time and space. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm just that good that I'll I'll cut through all that and go over the top or through the middle and um, do something with it. So I think teams are – it's only round three, but it looks – and he's only played two games, but it looks like there's a bit of adjustment in terms of how teams are defending him. They're sort of showing him a, a bit of space, which is blunting that kind of clutch play he's got. He's more just having to work with room. There's also a shape issue with us, though. Like I do think that we – um, are too lateral on the edge or we're going to the edge off slow play the balls um, just because we've decided it's, you know, that's when we go to the edge. And when you're going off a quick play the ball, then, you know, there's going to be a hole somewhere that a Walshie can sniff out, but he's going there where there is no hole. So it's got to be created. And we just don't have the fluidity of um, decoy runners and hole runners and stuff who are going to make a hole when there's n- nothing there to, to start with, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the one time we did come up with, Nice shape that Montoya tried against the Titans. It was because Chanel straightened it up, created a bit of space for Walsh, and then he was the one that sent Marcel over in the corner. So hopefully when uh, Johnson's back, we'll probably see a bit more of that sort of thing. He's an expert at, at creating yeah. creating space for a you know, fullback sweeping around or a centre. Um, sort of with Will Kennedy a lot um, at the Sharks, and hopefully we'll see a bit more of that. Potentially as soon as this weekend, but yeah, I, I agree. Like SJ will help. Um, swapping your halves every week doesn't help. I mean, it was one of these things too. Like I, I should give a few silver linings where I can. I thought um, Katoa getting injured and um, going off or coming back with one eye closed. He basically played his second stint with one eye. Um, that had a big impact because I thought there were some promising signs there early on that first 20 minutes of Cody playing short to Katoa. They had a really good combination, you'll remember, in 2020. Yeah. And there was shades of that on that um, right edge happening there. So that was um, kind of good. CHT's kicking game in that first 20 
as well. Um, you mentioned we sort of got a, a try off a, one of his kicks, and I thought he was doing quite well um, both in distance and in tactical kicking in that first 20 minutes. Then it all went to hell. Um, but there was – like if you go back and watch the first 20 minutes, it's actually not too bad. Like it's it, each 20 gets worse than the last 20 in this game. Like the, the first 20 is our best, the next 20 is our second best, and then it sort of goes downhill. So um, – and there were, like I said, Katoa got injured, went off. Um, then CHT um, foxed an injury and got sent off. Um, so we had Bailey Sirenen playing in the halves, having him having already come on for Katoa. So there was there was a couple of bits and pieces that um, hampered the fluidity of an already um, sort of mashed together team with you know yeah. the, the halves and stuff but yeah um i'm just yeah that's that's about the best i can do mate in terms of uh Pena only playing 12 minutes uh, there was a shoulder injury that he got that obviously didn't yep. help but yep. also what was your take on him not being injected until the well into the second half so i don't know like i mean um, it doesn't make sense. So I wonder if it was known he had that niggle coming in. So yeah. they were going to see how they went. And then they're like, oh, look, actually, um, we've we've had Kartora out. Sirenin's already on. we just got to get you in there, see how you go. And then he sort of put his hand up and gone, I'm, no, nah, I'm actually busted. You've got to think it's something like that to give Brownie some kind of credit. Because it didn't make any sense. Nah. At all. <laughs> and it's not, not what so he's cool. done in prior weeks, you know. So yeah. you, you can't think Brownie's sitting there going, oh, I got a clever idea this week. I'll bring him. You know, like, um, so we probably went in with him a bit busted to start with, and yeah, I mean, other silver linings. I thought um, some some of our edge decisions to shut down Tigers' shifts were actually okay um, in yeah. defence. I don't know if you saw that as well. You thought like yeah, I thought, like, thought Barry, uh, particularly as the game wore on, he came out with some. Good ones because he's getting a bit of a tough time from like Luke Garner's a out and out back rower, but yeah. he's a big unit, pretty mobile and hard to handle. And I thought Barry did make some good decisions. Montoya jammed in uh, probably more in the first half. He made some really yep. uh, crucial decisions to shut down some attack. So that was uh, a good sign. I was probably more fixated on the other side where Oliver Gildart just tore through. Uh, I didn't. I didn't re-watch the game, so I'm not sure, you know, what sort of decisions or who was at fault. But, you know, when a centre's got 200 running metres, a couple of line breaks, um, it's, it's a bit of a worry. And, and, yeah, Jesse Arthur's stocks seem to have plummeted a little bit after uh, they're giving him a bit of a rap. The week. Yeah, I'll, I wouldn't be too hard on him. Like my, my take on that was it was all coming from the middle. Yeah. So we were opening up from oh. the mid middle and that problem was spreading out. And um, I don't know that... I need to look at it closely to be sure, but yeah, I wouldn't be too hard on Arthur's there. I think he got put in impossible positions quite a lot um, coming through with with what was coming through from the middle. And Gildart, yeah, he's a bit of a handful. He's a quick player. I think out of his two hundred meters, probably eighty or ninety of them were just straight line breaks. You know, running meters. Yeah, and uh, you know, pads his stats a bit. Like he certainly wasn't doing the yardage that you know, would, would justify that kind of number. But, yeah, it was yeah, it wasn't real good. No, and certainly from our outside backs, wasn't quite the – we've been – well, I have been a bit down on them 
about it, you know, our quality and depth there and and finding a way out of it. Um, probably wasn't the greatest follow-up performance from that, but yeah, they're probably more a victim of, of what was happening elsewhere on the field. And the, the annoying thing for me, without making this a moan, right, but the annoying thing is like Brownie's like, well, in the last two press conferences, he said, we're not developing here, we're trying to win now, okay? And he said, well, we need players who can consistently put in because we've had some good performances one week and then different players put in the other week. And it's like, look, like I'm not giving myself a rap, but, you know, I could have told you pre-season that the outside backs you were running were going to have this problem and yeah. you didn't want to put Aitken there because you wanted to play your fancy, you know, um, open attacking game and he doesn't pass, that's all well and good. But the guys you put in can't do that yet either because they just don't have the maturity and skill and positioning. So you, you've kind of made this problem for yourself. Um, if you put Aitken in the centres to start the year, then um, at least one side has a consistent, reliable 7 out of 10 player, 6.5, 7 out of 10 player every week. Then you can... Um, work with and you could put Barry on his preferred right side. He's a right side player. He's always been a right side player. So why would we and have you got an opinion on why he would be shifted to the uh, left side? Given that, you know, he's he hasn't looked anything like the impressive rookie we saw last year uh playing on that side. Yeah, so the first game Barry played last year, I forget who it was against, but he was played on the left. And he didn't have a good game. And after, and that was his debut, I think. And then after that game, he came out in the press. Barry came out in the press and said, "Well, actually, you know, to be honest, I prefer to play on the right. And I've played on my cup on the right. Yeah. And I've, I've played on the left, and I didn't handle that all that well. Good learning for me moving forward, right? So very clear. Barry wants to be on the right. That's his. Um, Justin Morgan came out in preseason saying, "Oh, Barry's." carving up preseason and he's shown he can play left and right. He can play either side. We think he's got flexibility. So I assume they think that it fits better in terms of um, if SJ's on the right, so you've got your ball player yeah. um, type half over there, and then you're going to have um, a more ball, right, like your Valia is a more ball running kind of centre, doesn't have a pass on him. Yeah. And SJ's got the cutout pass. It kind of makes sense to go, well, that's okay if I've got a centre who doesn't pass, <laughs> who's not Aiken for some reason, <laughs> then then um, <laughs> this young guy, then it makes sense to go, well, Barry's got the pass. I'm less c convinced about my left-sided half's ability to throw a cutout. We know Barry can throw a pass, you know. So yeah. I think it might have been that. He was a better fit for the edge. But it was wrong. It was a mistake um, because when you've got a – guy who's still learning the game and the position, then you throw on top of that, you've got to learn a different side and how you carry the ball. And I just, I just don't get it. And I, I just think if we'd gone with Aitken and left Berry right, um, we would have seen just that little bit more stability out there that would have taken the edge off some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, do you think there comes a time where he bites the bullet? You know, and I, I'm guessing Valia will just about come back in when he's fit for another crack, but who knows? Um, don't really see, you know, too much difference between him and Arthur's and yeah. the at the moment. Um, is there a time, particularly when, you know, Harris is back, we've got all our forwards on deck, someone's going to miss out. Does he bite the bullet and think, you know, our best chance of winning games is Aitken at left centre put uh, and put 
Rocco back on the right. I'd, I'd have done that last week, you know. Um, but so, yes, to, in my opinion, yes. But I don't think Brownie's, <laughs> like I said to you last week, I think Brownie does not give a shit. He's going all in on this model and he's he's going to ride it wherever it goes. And I, I don't think it's going good places at the moment. No, it was a huge concern if we look ahead to this week. I mean, Broncos were touched up last weekend, but... Um, did you get to watch that? I didn't watch that yeah, game. Yeah, I did. It. And it was, yeah, it was bad luck for the Broncos, but they were in it for a long time. It just They just couldn't get any sort of ascendancy, and the Cowboys were outstanding yeah. and have been really good defensively this yeah. year. And it kind of looked like the Broncos got a bit disheartened yeah. um, without, you know... Not been able to break through. They only sort of had the Herbie Farmworth penalty try in the in the first like seventy five minutes of the game. Uh, yeah. They threw plenty at the Cowboys, but uh, but I think if they threw what they threw at the Cowboys at us, particularly out wide, you know they would have had thirty points on us by by that point. Um, well, it's going to come down to the middle because I didn't see that game either. I heard um, a couple of good um, commentators talk about it and it sounded like the Cowboys sort of ran a bit harder through the middle and it was a bit like that as well. It opened up for them through the middle. Yeah. So it, it comes down to that. Like you can have the best centres and um, wingers in the world and if if they're just getting slow play the balls and a set defence all the time, they're not going to do anything, you know. So if we're going to beat the Broncos and with the frailties we have out wide, we have to win that middle. Yeah. And saying you have to dominate the middle against a team with Payne Harsin, it's a bit scary. Yeah, and Patrick Carrigan's going outstanding for them. And, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty decent pack. Ryan James, I think, moving into the starting front row this week. Um, Flegler's back off the bench. Like, it's yeah, they, they match up with us well, uh, given it's our strength. Uh, the Cowboys, most of their tries came from originating inside the 20. They're really good. Right. They're, they're attacking the... The goal line. Um, I think the Broncos would find it a lot easier to defend what we're throwing around inside the twenty at the moment. Um, but yeah, the matchups that freak me out are definitely uh, stags up against uh, would be Arthur's and and Farmworth is is at a great start to the year and he's really hard to handle, really elusive and yeah, pretty yep. handy footy player. Definitely a bit more firepower on the wings, Cobbo and and Oates, I think, than than we have. It's uh, yeah. Yep. It's, we're going to have to, as I say, we're going to just have to limit the amount of front football they're getting, you know, where our middle's sort of out of shape and, and that's flowing through. And, you know, hopefully a combination of attitude, um, some tweaks from Brownie in defence. I mean, he might have to have a look at minutes for Lodge if Lodge is not. Yeah. Um, but again, I think when you looked at Lodge's issues around being a bit slow getting out of the ruck, it's not as though they were happening at the end of his stints. They were happening from the first minute of his stints. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, do you think SJ's going to play? Um, I did see something, and I think it might have been taken from, from Ronald Browning's recent uh, interviews, either on ZB or, or elsewhere, but he's I think he said that um, Sean is more likely to play than not. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good in- indication. Um, you know, I, they wouldn't rush him back, particularly for something like a, a pec injury, because I'm assuming if you come back before that's healed, that's an easy one for it to go again. Um, but, yeah, I just hope we 
do see him come back because, man, do they need him. Um, even just his, I don't know, presence or aura uh, just changes yeah. this team because it has seemed like a very, you know, uh, rudderless ship the last couple of weeks, even though there's some good spots out of that Titans game. Um, you know, I don't like to knock Cody so all the time, but, yeah, Manifu is pretty anonymous um, again. Um, excited to see Sean and Chanel line up for the first time together. With Walshy. Yeah, I mean... As well, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cody, I don't want to be too hard on because he lost his edge back rower um, in the 20-odd minute and wasn't getting wasn't getting a lot of shape coming out of... Uh, like, I actually didn't think he was anywhere near our problem on the weekend, to be honest. He just isn't the kind of guy who's going to swing a game your way if it's not already going your way, you know. But um, Sean on the weekend would have made a difference in a few ways. I don't think Sean would have taken that kick at goal with 26 minutes to go. He would have um, backed us to go and get over, and we would have, you know. And I think he would have probably kicked us out of trouble a few times when we just needed to settle down. And yeah, there was no – there's nothing – sorry to interrupt. It yeah. just didn't seem any, um, like – awareness of the game situation that was it was so frustrating like you know was, even when they were trying to protect that lead and we were 12 down to 12 there was no sort of you know there's it was just pretty some pretty dumb footy and i think sean brings that cool head to yeah play the right make the right play in the right situation and also set a bit of tempo in the game you know like um the tigers probably were enjoying a, a bit of the up tempo you know, that frantic kind of errors and up-tempo game in the second half. We didn't have to play that game, I don't think. So, yeah, yeah I think SJ would have helped quite a lot. Um, I think there's a separate issue around the middle. And if I'm trying to be the optimistic fan at the moment, I'm saying I'll flush the middle performance. Um, I'll flush the um, lack of leadership control tempo and all of that based on the fact that for a good chunk of the second half it was Cody Nicarima and Bailey Sirenden playing halves right which is your fifth choice probably or whatever halves combination um and you know and I'll sort of just look at it and go there was just a compounding of you know okay so the halves aren't going too well the forwards aren't going too well and that pressure then gets put on all the different parts of the team and inexperienced players in that situation will make errors. And so, you know, it's a bit of that cascading um, fluster cluck that you, you get um, when things start going wrong with an inexperienced team without leadership. So I'm sort of – that's the best way I can look at that game and um, flush it without being devastated for what's coming in the season. Yeah, and, you know, SJ is that – We'll have us build a bit of pressure. I, I thought we let the Tigers off the hook a fair bit. You know, the, just when a nice little roll into the end goal would have been the, the way to go. Um, they Besides Chanel early, um, they couldn't do that. Um, one thing that kind of noticed also in the Titans game, they're giving away quite a lot of penalties coming out of. Mm, yeah, we are. Yeah. Coming the other side, coming out of their area. Um, you know, I don't know if that's. Well, that's back to that middle thing, or I think that's 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 the middle just struggling a little bit. Um, like I'm trying to think back to them now. You say that, so I, I remember 
it was one or two head high tackles, which was yeah. just um, like Bunty one jumps to mind off kick chase, which is just him probably a um, bit of technique, bit of he's just a, going a bit hard. Um, there was quite a few six agains or penalties, like you said, um, where we're just not rolling off the ruck and back fast enough, which is just down to, I mean, and, and I'll give credit to the Tigers. I think the Tigers' middles did play better than I thought they were. Like, yeah. I actually think the Tigers' middle is better than I thought it was this time last week. Um, I actually don't think it's a bad middle. So when I'm saying we got owned and all this, I probably do have to adjust my ex, my um, um, level in terms of who we were playing a little bit to recognise that they're actually not that bad through the middle of the Tigers. They're not the worst middle team, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of that too. But, yeah. I don't know. It needs it needs it needs a lot of work, and and probably it's there's some just some attitude issues around that. Yeah, I don't really have any solutions that set Chuck SJ in there and hope for the best. But yeah, obviously a bit of continuity. As you said, you know, three different house combinations. Two of them, two of those house combinations, the the SJ list ones. Uh, you know, certainly. Uh, not what we'd regard as a strong enough NRL halves combination. Um, no. And, so and like, I'll, I'll chuck one more thing in there without, like, ranting a bit. But, like, I've been saying since round one that we go wide too early. We don't want to do the tough stuff to earn the right to go wide. We don't want to earn the quick play the balls. Um, CHT on the weekend with that foxing a head-high tackle and then – I mean, to me – might be a long bow, but to me that's all the same thing, right? You're trying to take the easy way out. Yeah. You know, just get up and play the ball and earn the front foot ball. Like, don't don't stay down, slow our ruck, see if you can jag a penalty. You don't end up jagging a penalty because you're actually not that clever, and then you end up, you know, basically taking yourself off and having a back row playing at six for 20 yeah. minutes. You know, like, it's that's just – don't do not do that. Earn, earn the good ball. Earn like- it. Yeah, they weren't under the pump at that point. Um, mm. It does seem like a bit of a lazy play. I, I may be wrong, but I don't think the better teams resort to that. So they're it's more a, more focused a, on um, you know doing doing things that they can control, right? Yeah, exactly right. That's that's the soft option, right? That's the easy way out. You know, there's no easy way out. You've got to win the middle off your line speed and off your carries, and then get your quick play the balls. Use that to hit the trams. Your trams have to be running hard and good lines. That's going to stretch their middle in and out. You're going to have space. That's that's what it is. It's this this um, go wide, go early, try and milk penalties off dubious high shots. That's not that's not what good footy teams do. You know, that's not what serious footy teams do. Um, looking at the bigger picture and trying to put a, a silver lining on it. You know, we did get the win, so that. Yeah, at least keeps us in touch. I mean, there's only one unbeaten team, the Panthers, after three rounds. So yep. essentially, one one off second. <laughs> there, there are some there are some teams that I thought would go pretty ordinary that are absolutely flying. The the Knights, obviously, that lost on the weekend, but they showed a fair bit of heart. Yep. A man down. They're three. Uh, they're two and one. Cowboys. Um, yeah, after a bit of a shocker in the first round, absolutely carving up. Second on the ladder, um, you know, where do you think? Do you think we're too far away from 
getting back on track, do you think, you know, win or at least a really solid performance against the Broncos um, where we sort of improve in some of those areas gets us back sort of feeling like we can be a top eight team again because, you know, a couple of losses. Who have we got? I think we've got the... Who have we got the week after? I mean, it's we've got a really tough section of our draw coming up. This was probably earmarked as a as an not an easy game, especially the way the Broncos started the season, but definitely winnable at Redcliffe. We've got the Cowboys after that, who are all yeah. of a sudden, you know, a tough proposition. And then we lead into Roosters, Storm, you know, Raiders, Sharks, Rabbitohs. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, where are we? So it's round three. So as we, we said at the start, um, it's way too early to be judging teams, even though we kind of are judging our own team. But it, it is... It is way too early to be judging teams. Uh, I, I actually thought Newcastle would go well this year. Pre-season, I did not think the Cowboys would. So, you know, to the, the two examples you gave. Um, I Yeah, it's hard to run a form line. Do I think there is some way of rationalising this in terms of we can make the eight? I, I would say from what I've seen of the NRL so far this year, if I was power ranking the teams, I'd have us at 15th. Um, right now, maybe 16th, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's a pretty far way back to come in from to get to eighth. But um, we haven't seen SJ and Walsh play together. There's there's plenty of time to fine tune and adjust game models and all that sort of thing. We should improve, as will all the other teams, as we go through the year. So. Um, I, I, at the moment, would not back us to do that, um, which is a massive um, fall from where I was sitting pre-season, which is why I'm so annoyed because it's just, you know, like we're just so far off where I genuinely thought we would be. Um, But that said, there is definitely time and definitely some players to come back that could see us um, right the ship and come good and head towards that mid-table place, you know, that sort of eighth. Um, it is still it is still possible, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not putting any money on it. Yeah, I just think, you know, any, even a loss is, is pretty tough, one and three, but a, a bad loss or a loss where we don't really improve on any of these areas we've talked about, I don't see them coming close to winning the following three games and then one and six is just about all over. Already, yeah. Um, yeah. Just want to touch on on Brownie's comments. You, you talked about him, you know, got, talking about the effort areas and that sort of thing, and recognizing that you know uh, we've got some young guys and and parts of the game aren't where they need to be, etc. Uh, and also you've talked about a sort of somewhat contradictory uh, comments about you know wanting to win now, but also needing to leave guys in there to develop. Um, have you seen enough from what he said that you know that he recognises um, where they are going wrong? That the you know either they don't have the right game plan or they're not executing it properly. Because I know that I've seen some uh, in our little Twitter Warriors Twitter community, the um, some of the most fervent Brown backers. And a shout out here to to uh, good friends of the the shows, um, Thomas Harris and Anton Poser, a couple of um, pretty despondent comments regarding 
brownie, brownie. and just the the well, not so much brownie, but just the game plan and the lack of direction and and how it just doesn't seem like there's almost any any um, sort of impending improvement. So the coach, the coach that we beat on the weekend and his team turned in an equally diabolical performance has won a comp, right? Michael Maguire, he's a coach who many would say is exactly what the Warriors need if he came on the market tomorrow and many would say we should recruit. So a good, if you think Michael Maguire is a good coach and you you got to look at it and go, well, a good coach can still put out a team that turns out that kind of rubbish performance. Yeah. Um, so... You know, coaches have a role, but they're not the be-all and end-all and your roster and many other factors go into the performance on the day. So um, I don't want to get too hung up on Brownie, but I do think that in Brownie's case, he's made a miscalculation, right? I think he he deliberately, I think, went out and adopted a very um, expansive game plan which was a high-risk game plan that involved a lot of passing and a lot of players in motion, right? So that's a high-interaction game plan and, a, a, like, it has many fail points, if you like, in that game plan. And he did that at the same time as making selection decisions of having rookies everywhere yeah. and, and relying on those rookies to step up with no real basis to assume that they would. So... He's taken a big risk there, and I think it's turned out to be a miscalculation at this point. All right, so um, where does that leave me with Brownie? Well, he's made a mistake or a miscalculation. Now, not every time you roll the dice and get it wrong, that's it's not always um, doesn't always mean that you you were wrong to have done that. Like in hindsight, you are, but at the time, you know, maybe it was a bit of an all or nothing play, and it's not coming off. You know, so, and and maybe the owners had a conversation with Brownie or set KPIs with Brownie or had an expectation with Brownie where he looked at it and said, well, to meet that target that I've been set, I have to go a bit all or nothing yeah. because if I, if I play safe, I'm just not going to get to that target, right? I mean, I don't know. It could be that too. So I don't want to be too hard on Brownie specifically and say that he can't coach and this and that, but I do think that the combination of the game plan he's chosen and the team he's picking um, is it's turned out that he's miscalculated on what we can actually do out there. Yeah. Uh, I would be a fly on the wall on what's going on behind the scenes and conversations uh, that don't involve Browning, but um, yeah, certainly interesting times, particularly if we do end up with a few more losses and if we can turn it around, then that's uh, fantastic. But um, yeah, but yeah. can I just say as well, if, if anyone from the club or who influences the club listens to this, and I'm pretty sure some do, um, can we not sack a coach without having a better coach ready to go? Can we not do that? Um, <laughs> can we not wake up angry at Brownie one day and because we've had a bad loss and just punt him and then have a random caretaker and go through a flawed process in a rush, in a scramble to recruit another coach? Can we just make sure we have someone better before we punt him and and make sure we're making the right call. Because I, I, at the moment, would not be thinking about punting Brownie at all. I would not. I would, not I would see him out the year, absolutely. 
um, yeah, certainly don't want to have a caretaker fall in love with said caretaker, offer him <laughs> the keys, uh, have him turn us down live on NRL, NRL 360 yeah. and give the job to Jason Taylor. No, just let Brownie run the year out, learn some lessons from it, and who knows if it comes good, great. But we, you know, this club needs stability and cohesion. And hopefully next year we're back in New Zealand and there's a logical point at which we're readjusting a whole bunch of things from development systems, pathways, um, right through to match day preparation with the travel and all that stuff and everything gets reset, right? So... Um, we don't need to stuff around this year. We just got to do the best we can. Yeah, and you know, on the return this year, I mean, it's such a big moment in the club's history, a really emotional one. I just really hope that we are travelling semi okay, so that it doesn't take the wind out of the sails. I mean, it will be a sellout no matter what. I'm sure there'll be it'll be a great occasion, but for it to sort of mean something. Uh, for the season, not just uh, coming home for a bit of an exhibition, it would be um, yeah, make it pretty special. So, absolutely, my wife's going. I'm going to have trouble talking to my wife about um, booking flights and stuff if we're one and seven and leaving her with, <laughs> leaving her with two kids under five. So like, yeah. why why are you going uh, again? Uh, for, for Fonzie's um, ability to be able to make the trip across the Tasman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, uh, you probably have to go back to work, mate. I should probably get something. Uh, Bit more constructive done as well um anything yeah. else you want to add to to that no i don't think so i think um i'm looking forward to the game on the weekend just because i want to see a bounce back um i'm mainly going to be watching that middle this weekend because it all starts and finishes like it all starts there you can't win without that and that's been my biggest blindside this year to be honest um so i'm, I'm going to be watching that this weekend um I don't care if we lose because we leak a couple of tries down the edge, but if our middle holds their middle and gets us at the platform, then you can build from that. So that's that's what I'm going to be watching this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited uh, about the positive sort of chat around Sean probably playing or more likely than not playing. Um, I think we'll be a different team without him. I'll be on the West Coast, potentially not watching it live, certainly not reporting live, so play ratings will be a bit late again this week. Um, but yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And um, I don't know. Brad is Brad has committed to uh, to jumping in next week. So unless we see something even worse than we saw on Friday, I think you can look forward to uh, to Brad being back on the air. Fonzie, thanks for jumping in again, mate, and keeping this uh, keeping this leaky ship afloat. Pleasure, Will, as always, mate. And uh, stay off the wormer on the West Coast, just quietly. <laughs> and uh, go the Warriors.